I got into this because I'd had enough. I was fed up, but I got to put my words into action because I felt that at that moment when I spoke to the board of supervisors, there was millions of people listening. As I've sort of become a leader in this movement, I've realized that people want nothing more than to get on board to get their freedom back. If my voice gets heard and helps people, then this has all been well worth it. If my kids have a better America to live in, then this is absolutely worth it. I really don't like this stuff. I never wanted to be part of a production or a movie or, you know, I'd rather be out in the fields fighting somebody. Way that we fight, if this is the way that we inspire uh, people to move forward and, and to come on board with us, you know, for the win, then I'll be here. So. My fellow Americans. It is time to take our freedom back. So segment two, we're minus one, but we're going to reintroduce Mr. Will Oston, retired Army major and uh, a JAG guy, which is awesome. We definitely need those guys. People, <laughs> people don't realize until they've been in the military, you know, they don't realize how important these guys are for, you know, for the sake of soldiers and Marines and, and the troops, really, you know, just yeah. keeping their asses out of a sling. Yeah. You well, know, thanks, brother. It's great lot. to be back with you guys. So. Um, not only are we going to talk about, you know, what we talked about in the last segment, which is what you've done and, and your awesome accomplishments, but this arc of justice thing, I mean, uh, this is fascinating stuff. I mean, when you're talking about how do we help these wounded warriors, you know, uh, transition into, into civilian society, how, how do we make sure that they're successful, you know, as they were in the military on the outside is huge, you know? Yeah. So I kind of want to pick up where we left off with, uh, HR 6043. Yes. Okay, and I want to make sure that our viewers are listening to that number, write it down, and call your congressman, and we're going to talk a little bit more about it, but I want to make sure that we're getting the support that we need from your congressman. So Absolutely. make sure you call them and tell them, and you'd be surprised. Those calls do go a long way, so whether you leave a message with a secretary or a representative, somebody who's in that office, let them know. If enough people call, it's going to make a difference, and it's really important that we get that passed here uh, this year. So, Will, the floor is yours. Yeah, thank you. So I'll just reiterate that. So you can go on to congress.gov and type in HR6043. Follow this landmark piece of legislation. Uh, you can follow us at Arc of Justice USA uh, on social media, especially Instagram. That's what I do the most. I don't have time for like Twitter and all that stuff. Sure. But um, our website is arcofjusticeusa.org. And if we can pass this, guys, I mean, it, it is going to affect, you know, I mean, tens of thousands of wounded warriors over the next sure. couple of decades coming through the pipeline. So yeah. uh, we really, it's similar to what you guys have done with Red, White, and Blueprint with just having the citizenry mm -hmm. rise up and take responsibility. I'm just asking for people to just give like five to 10 minutes of their time to contact their congressman sure. or senator and senator. No, that, that's not yeah. too much to ask at all, no. you know. So let's talk a little bit about um, the book. 
Okay, this yeah. is important because that's really why you're here, right? On, yeah. on this trip, we're talking about writing the red, white, and blueprint. One of the biggest questions I've, I've gotten asked, I'm sure you guys have too, is so what is the red, white, and blueprint? You know, where is it? Like, where do I find this blueprint? And we keep saying, well, you know, we're, we're writing it and we're kind of writing this thing as we go, which, well, which is the truth, what, right? We tell the people the truth about what we're doing. We're transparent. We're saying, look, we're writing this book. We're living this book. And as yeah. we're doing that, we're sort of writing this blueprint, but none of us are authors, you know? So we have to bring in somebody who's way smarter than we are to say, look, guys, let me, let me articulate what you guys have done here, you know, <laughs> into a book. Let's talk about why that's so important. Field, <laughs> field manual, he called it. I like what Will said outside. Yeah. He said, it was a, what'd you call it? To the to the uh, antithesis. antithesis antithesis to rules to for radicals Solinsky, exactly. which was uh, the 1971 book that leftists have used as their kind of their playbook, so to speak, yeah. to underpin the institutions in America. So family, church, you know, anything that's good in America, mm-hmm. they just wanted to create chaos. He actually Alinsky actually dedicated it to Satan, yeah. which is like amazing wow. to me. Wow, yeah, I know. <laughs> no, it's the amazing open, because the open we, support we, of that blows my mind. Yeah, it's hard. And, and we yeah. reference this book, and and it's great for us because we know exactly what they're doing. And we yeah, can, we, right. we can see their play. Say, look, mm-hmm. this is straight out of that book, right? Um, but they never have you noticed the media never ever talks they don't talk about, about that. Yeah. Never, no, it never gets brought up. Yep. No, it's easier to label us insurrectionists, terrorists, you know. Uh, domestic threats and all the things that they call us when really we're like, no, listen, we're, we're just trying to get back to the things that are valuable about this country, things that made America great. As cliche as that sounds, there are really <laughs> things that made this country really, really awesome, you know? So why don't we cling on to those things, you know? Yeah. And Exactly right. So um, I'm going to read, like, so I kind of wrote like just a couple sentences sure. on what it is. So that, that'll probably be the best succinct way to do it. But before that, so my vision for this book and talking with Jeremy is it's going to be two parts. So the first is going to be a philosophical defense of America, because I think there's like a lot of citizens out there who, you know, they hear about the 1619 project or, oh, America is like systemically racist, just all this garbage that has come out in the last couple of years. They know it's not true, but they don't know how to articulate, you know, like a, a defense of it. So we're going to make it very simple. And the, those chapters are going to be good where you can pick it up. The idea is like I can read this and then I can know what to say to my neighbors sure. about America. And then the second part is going to be a playbook, like a field manual. It's going to be sure. practical from, OK, if you have like just a little bit of time to dedicate to your community, here's what you can do. Or if you want to run for board of county supervisors and you want to like give your like a lot of your time to it, we're going to run a gamut of spectrum mm-hmm. so everybody can be involved at different levels. Mm-hmm. All right, so here's here's what I wrote about it. So I'm going to be interviewing the leaders of Red, White, and Blueprint and Recall Shasta to write a field manual for constitutional conservatives that will educate and empower them for engagement in politics at the local level. This will serve as a companion book to the eight-episode Red, White, and Blueprint documentary. It will focus on the miracle of America's founding as a democratic republic based on ordered liberty, explain why the founders expected each subsequent generation to take actions to keep it for posterity, and provide a practical blueprint regarding how citizens can replicate the success of RWB and Recall Shasta in motivating an electorate to successfully effectuate a recall or similar governmental reform action when necessary. Furthermore, the book will enhance the storyline that RWB is connected to the brilliance of the founders and are upholding their sacred charge to keep the flame of liberty burning brightly through the involvement of ordinary citizens. It will do this by providing an intellectual defense of RWB's mission using historical precedents from statecraft and political philosophy. The chapters will be marked by ardent patriotism, honor for the founders, civility toward ideological enemies, practical guidance, action plans, and unashamed love for the United States of America. That's really cool. Love so, it. Yeah. Man, I'm, I'm glad Will's writing it. Right yeah. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, it makes it sound so good. <laughs> 
You know, I love that though, and I I love how you, that that plan that two part thing because I'm I'm huge on that. Like having your mission statement, your ethos, your your way of life to fall back on first, right? Because you can right. have this whole plan of how you're going to execute, but if you don't, when you hit all the road bumps, you know it's you're not going to get through those as as clean or with a sane brain or an intact family or you know all the things that are going to come at you without having that. An action plan without a philosophy is dead. You know, when we're talking about something simple as a five paragraph order, you know, we're talking about commander's intent being Mm -hmm. the most important part of that, of of that order, that op order, you know, and why? Because everything else falls apart. We can fall back on the intent, Mm -hmm. on the intention behind it. And that's exactly what this is. The philosophy is saying, hey guys, if you don't follow this line by line, and if, if you lose this part of the textbook, you can at least understand where we're, where we're coming from, what we're trying to accomplish, and then you can come creatively come up with your own way. Yeah, and so. I mean, as as you know, you know, being being a marine, I mean, you know, you make all these plans for combat, but then as soon as you engage the enemy, like the plans change, right? Fast, you know, really, really quickly. And so the only constant, you know, they always told us, mm-hmm. like in army combat, the only constant is change. That's it. And so you have to know that commander's intent. You have to, and know that the flexibility why. needs to be built into your yep. to your team. And by knowing the why. You know the commander's intent by knowing that philosophy. Then you know when the plans change, you're going to know mm-hmm. how to adapt the best way and the quickest way. And so what you guys are doing here in Shasta County, Northern California, well, it may look slightly different in like North Carolina, sure. in the South, you know. Sure. But like if they have the why, and then you know they have the practical stuff, they can adapt it to whatever's best for their community. Yeah. So yeah, we have to have the why. But what you guys are going to be contributing as I interview you over the next two days is critical because you've lived it for 18 months sure. and you know, you know what to do, you know what not to do. And you've been in the trenches, so you're going to provide the best feedback. And they are the trenches. And that's one thing I would say is that people, it's easy to like glorify, like even the founding of the country, you know, picture the revolutionary battles and all sure. that, but really it was just a, a real hard fought, terrible mm-hmm. people starving to death, kind of a fight, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, uh, and, and even with art, it was nothing like that for us, but it was hard. It was mm-hmm. hard work. And so people got to know that it's not just like, even though you feel This is not an easy endeavor, it, you know. know. It's, it's not easy, but it's worth it. 100% it's the most rewarding thing, you know. And, and listen, you're talking to somebody who, you know, full transparency, uh, I'm telling you, I wanted to quit a lot. N- not, not because I'm a quitter, but because I simply didn't think it could be done. Yeah. And... We got to remember, this isn't a full-time job for any of us. We all have right. businesses. We all have families. Right. We have a lot of stuff going on. So there's times where I was like, look, I got to focus on this, you know, not because I, 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 I want to give up, but because I just don't think that I can accomplish the objective at this point, you know. But as the enemy got stronger and stronger, or I shouldn't say they got stronger, that they became more offensive. Mm-hmm. They attacked more, you know. Uh, they focused on us more. That told me that we were winning. I was yeah. like, man, that's right. You know, we, we must be gaining ground here because they're really getting ferocious in the mm-hmm. attacks, personal attacks against us, you know. Um, and, and I think that's something that'll be talked about in this book as well, is that's how right. do you deal with people? Because you're going to be attacked anytime that you do what we set out to do. They're going to attack your family. They're going to attack your livelihood. They're going to attack you personally, you know, your, your faith, your values, everything mm-hmm. about you, you know, because that's how they fight, you know. Because yeah. they can't attack your ideas. They have to attack you personally. And that's something that I hope that we're not doing um, on our side. No, that's exactly right. And I mean, that's, that's kind of a, 
you know, the law of rhetoric going back to like Aristotle is if you can't beat someone, you know, with their ideas, then you make what's called ad hominem attacks against the person. And then that's when you know in like rhetoric, Mm -hmm. when you know when somebody's losing an argument, even if somebody doesn't understand rhetoric, like people just know in their subconscious, if you're just attacking the person and their character and not, Mm -hmm. not the idea, then you've got nothing left, you know, in your arsenal and you're losing. Um, so yeah, and that, that's, that's like one of the chapters that I probably will write on that point. Cause I, I just feel like you guys have been like so unfairly maligned in the press and, you know, like all oh, these crazy militias and little yeah. violence, you know, and that's not what you're doing. This has been like a nonviolent, completely nonviolent, peaceful, 100%. peaceful movement. <laughs> and they take things wildly out of context, you and know, so, and, and looking back, do I regret anything I've said and done? No. Could it have been said different? Yes. I went on Alex Jones a, a few times. And, you know, Alex gets riled up and you're talking yeah. about things. And yeah, yeah. you start talking about things contextually as to how people rise up when they're pissed off. Mm-hmm. We've talked about the importance of anger, you know, of righteous anger. Yeah. Or pissed off. I said, man, there's going to be blood in the streets. And that's at some point, that's what we're going to need, you know, if we continue down this road. It's always been a warning. And our whole approach to this thing has been, look, guys, this isn't what we want. It's not what we're calling for. It's not what we desire for our children and for ourselves. But at some point, here's what's going to happen if people keep getting pissed off enough, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so l- l- let's correct this, you know. Uh, as far as I know, a recall is not an insurrection. Yep. It's not an overthrow of government. It is a very peaceful political process, you know, that ultimately lies in the hands of the voters. And, and, and that's all we did. And Carlos isn't a white supremacist. I'm not a white supremacist. So it's contrary know. to popular belief. Yeah, you know? I mean, if you are if you serve in the Marine Corps or the Army, like, how long did you serve in there for? 13 years. Yeah, 13 years. So I was 12. So you, yeah. were you major too? Uh, yes, sir. Yeah. So if you serve, that the, the military is the most integrated institution in America. Like we, and you know, what, sure. what you were talking about previously with, you know, people on the LGBTQ spectrum, I've got friends on that yeah, spectrum yeah, too. Yeah. And like, you know, a, a pe- friends of all different colors yeah. and creeds. And that's because we're all, And you know what the best thing is? We all bleed red, white and blue. Uh, but, but the best thing about it is that we can tease each other. Exactly. You know? Yeah, we rip oh, on man, each other. Oh man, we rip on each other yeah. based on where you're from, your color, your whatever. It's ex- it's a form of but, like a love language. But, but this is something that's gotten brother. lost in society. <laughs> I mean, really, it's gotten well, lost, you, you know? People take, take things too seriously. Yeah, everybody. Like, that's so so seriously. You got to kind of take lumps and figure it out. Like I shouldn't take myself too seriously. Sure. I shouldn't take but you can't that have that without man. love, right? So it's like yeah. we can say whatever you want about each other. If somebody else said it, we'd be in a fist fight, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but but listen, you know, this is what we've lost in this country, and this is where this political correctness has carried us away from an ability to really love each other in a way that's endearing, in a way that we can tease each other and love each other uh, as friends. We'd be friendly to each other. We start telling us that we're not even allowed to talk to each other. That creates separation that leads to mm-hmm. resentment and hate and all these things, you know. Yeah. Well, that division that. was on purpose. That, that it was. They divided us, yeah. Yeah, and and who who wants to have who wants to be the type of person that has like an intellectual purity test for their friends? Like, if you don't agree with me on everything, I'm not going to be your friend. Yeah, who wants to live life that way? Yeah, like where's never, the spice of life? Well, you're you going to be pretty bitter. Yeah, and that's what we see. Bitter, see bitter, and lonely. People. Lonely, yeah. you know, yeah. living in an echo chamber with just yeah. people who think and look like you. Yeah, and like I, you know, I don't know you well, but I know by like you being sure. a Marine Corps major, 13 years in a time of combat. Like I know you're not a racist. You couldn't no. have survived 13 uh, there, years. There's being no a racist. way. There's no way. Now, yeah. do, do we have I? ideas based on experiences about different people absolutely you know but i don't think that's that falls in the category of racism i think that falls in the category of we develop ideas based on our experiences about different people groups about different communities and societies and that's okay to do as long as we can have intelligent conversation about not only the problem but solutions to, to that problem and that's what we've been able to do in my mind is talk about the problems with different communities well and there there are certain 
certain aspects to different races that are different and it's okay to talk about them. You know, like where I grew up, it, we had a huge Hispanic population in the central Valley, you sure. know, a lot of farming and stuff. A lot of them are my best friends. Two of my best friends married to uh, Mexican girls and they have a super tight, they're huge into family. Mm -hmm. Like if you go by the park on a weekend, you're going to see Mexican families oh, yeah. all over yeah. the place. Cause they get together. They're way more that way than my white friends and family. We don't get together near as often as they do. So is that racist to say, you know what I mean? No, to, to make point observations. It's not racist, but, no. but that's a thing. Nowadays we can't even point out anything about anybody, you know, without being put into that category. Because I think that's, that word racist, that is a conversation ender, right? I mean, for them, uh, they think that that shuts oh, yeah. everything down. I'm like, look, you know, let's, let's talk about these issues. So it's okay for me to say, hey, look, the black community has a problem. The Asian community has these problems. The Hispanic community, of which you know, I grew up a part of, has these issues. How do we deal with these issues? It's not racist to point out our flaws if we're working together to fix them. Yep. Well, and that goes back to the common philosophies and the founders that left us just beautiful philosophies to follow. Yeah, sure. I right. mean, it's all laid out. And it's just been forgotten or not taught or we don't know how to harness it on the daily. And that's where that refreshing of an ethos or a, a fresh writing of a book where you can go, oh, yeah, that's right. That's why I need to show up to these meetings or pay attention over here or donate to this group or or listen to this guy. Like I have to take time out of my life to sure. actually keep this country operating. That is part of the endeavor that we're up against. But yeah. if I don't have something that's my guiding light to that, when I wake up every single morning, then I'm just going to forget and do my own things because I got life coming at and me. And going back to the conversation earlier, the first segment about Ronald Reagan, what Reagan did was make us realize that we're Americans again, you know, and that we are exceptional. And, and that's okay to say, hey, we're exceptional because we are Americans, whether we were born here, whether we were naturalized into this country, whatever it is, you know. It's okay to say that, you know, and then once we believe that, once we have a certain level of patriotism and even call it nationalism, call it what you want. I know that gets a bad name. Mm -hmm. um, now we can say, hey, look, we all love each other. How, how do we fix our flaws as a country? Yeah. You know? Well, and the only difference between us and any other country is our founding documents, really. To yeah. me, I mean, the principles in which America were founded are what separates us from... Well, to this day, the Constitution is the greatest political document ever ever written. Yeah, well, I, I love you guys bringing up Reagan, and I totally agree with you, because what we are, why we're exceptional as a nation is not because of an ethnos or an ethnicity, because mm -hmm. we're a melting pot. There's all sure. different ethnicities an idea. that came over here. Yeah. It's an idea. Yeah. That's why we're exceptional, because we're the only nation in the history of the world mm -hmm. to be founded on an idea, yeah. that all men are created equal with yeah. unalienable yeah. rights. So greatest, that, that's why- experiment we, ever. Yeah. And so yeah. there's people from every country, you know, in the melting pot and that are call themselves Americans if they, sure. you know- But, but, but the problem so. now that I'm seeing, and we and it's getting thrown around more and more, that, that those two words, white nationalist, is getting thrown around like crazy all over social media and everywhere else now. You know, uh, the, the idea that we're all white nationalists because we love this country, that needs to be just completely eradicated. We, we need to get rid of that thought, you know? The fact it's okay that, to be a nationalist anyway. If I, if I fly yeah. a flag, I'm called a white nationalist yeah. now. So when did the right American now, flag same, become a racist Those same symbol? liberals are talking about the mm -hmm. Ukrainians saying, look at how proud they are of the Ukraine. You look know, at they're their country. They're nationalists. They love their country. You know? You know? Yeah, there's nothing wrong with patriotism. So that's part of like the Rules for Radicals playbook is they'll take control of language that should be good, and then they'll weaponize it against you, and then they'll make it like sure. a dirty word. Sure. Um, so um, Confusion. Total confusion, but... Uh, and, and speaking of language, like just kind of going back to like, you know, some of the things that you've said and how they've been misapplied, 
I think that they're in, it'd be interesting to see what you think about this. So I think as I've gone out of the military, I've learned that there is a disconnect, like a military civilian disconnect, even in language. <laughs> yeah. So like I will say things yeah. like, so I, I was medically retired September 11, 2019. Yeah. And I will say things like about arc of justice, like I'm going to crush my enemies. Yeah. And then a civilian sitting next to me yeah. is like, Holy what smoke. are you going to do? Like, are you yeah. going to like beat You're them up? I'm like, no, I'm like, no, like that's just like a way of yeah. thinking yeah. for like a warrior, you know? Absolutely. So I'm not threatening any physical violence. That's just the way that we talk, you know, yeah. in the military, especially in combat units. Sure. And so I think like some of that stuff was coming out for you, yeah. and you're 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 not threatening physical violence. One hundred percent not. And this is this has been a nonviolent, peaceful protest. Not only are you guys doing that, you're actually upholding the California mm -hmm. Constitution because there's a duty upon you. I believe in Article One mm -hmm. to do recalls when your leaders have failed yeah, you. Absolutely. So you know, in, in no other realm, no other universe, would I hire somebody without the inability to fire them? And when they say, "Well, you know, you fire them by not electing the next election cycle," I say, "Well, that's a long time. That could yeah. be four years from now." Yeah. yeah how fast yeah. things change now? Employee, and you had to keep, well, you keep me for out. Three keep me out for two more years. I want to keep me out for another week. Well, and know? here's the other part that I watching post success in the recall. Yeah. That I was like, man, that's how far they've taken us off in our thinking. It was like, man, we destroyed, they destroyed Modi and he's in tears and everything in his career. You were never supposed to have a career in politics yeah. Yeah, right. ever. Right. That wasn't even supposed to be at stake. It's not supposed I shouldn't to be a feel place bad for land. that. You should right. be going, my service has ended. The people have spoken. I'm out. It breaks right. my heart. And be able to shoulder that with at mm -hmm. least some proud that I served or something. No, but instead it's a pity party. For someone that now is losing their retirement, well, that's at its core partially where we've gone wrong. You know, but that's the human condition. Right? The human condition tells us it's never our fault. You know, as business owners, if somebody, if we have a, a slow month in our business, we, you know, we think, oh man, we blame somebody else. You know, we blame the competition for playing unfairly. We play, you know, blame the weather. We we make shit up. You know. We never accept responsibility and say, hey, okay, what can I do to make my business better and function better? What could I have done differently to treat right. my customers better? And he'll never do that, you know, because yep. to him, it's easier to paint a picture of this great insurrection that happened here yep. in Shasta County. I'm like, there's no insurrection Which, which to me no. is the, the screaming proof of the need for him to not be in that seat. Right, sure. You know, and, but, it, but it's funny to me that there's going to be a, this whole group of people that watch it and go, man, they're just terrible people. Look what they did to this one poor guy. And it's like, wait a second. His decisions and that. That but, level of character was affecting crazy. Do you an think entire Leonard county. Modi ever cared about the liberal left? Do you think before this he ever cared about BLM or ever cared about you know these these socialists yeah, in our county? Never in a million years. And all of a sudden now they're all buddies. That tells you something right there. You know, if all of a sudden socialists are fighting for this guy to stay in office, I'm going hold on a second. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. CNN's oh, yeah. report, his one lone supporter yeah. is a is a socialist journalist that they even called an unabashed Democrat. Hundred percent. You you think that they would have been able to find a bunch of like conservative Republicans that backed Modi and said, man, these guys are radicals, but yeah. no, that's not what happened. Right. Right. But. Yeah. So it's just funny how far off we've gotten. And I think what I wanted to bring up, which is though I didn't serve in the military and lead in those forms, I've just, I've done a lot of reading and like really taken as much proaction as I could in studying leadership and what it takes to be a good leader. I was more of in the fire service, always on the troop side of things. So then it's, you know, you're looking at your leader through a microscope. So you learn a ton still. Um, but I think that that is something too, that our country has lost a respect and a lens for It's going, we need leaders that are tried under stress that have been a troop guy, a servant guy, a this, that. That's who used to be held in high regard to hold these political seats. And now it's you have a law degree, you're polished, you're charismatic, you're sure. all these other components that I'm going, wait a second, where's the just 
core character that is yeah. needed to where you can speak to somebody on their worst day and rise them up. You know, like that's not happening. Yep. We're not, we're seeing less and less of that over time because if you look way back, it was constantly the military leaders because sure. they were tried and trusted. They knew what to do when that dynamic things came before them. That's what we saw. We had a, a, a group of leaders COVID hit and they're like, blah, 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 blah. you know, they didn't know what to do with change. It was like, wait, I had this whole legislation plan. This is why I came to the office. I was going to get all this done. And then they had to deal with this beast. They didn't even know who to ask. They didn't know how to deal with the stress. Right. And that's what, I, what, what drove me nuts, which got me really plugged into the same going. These leaders are ill-equipped cool. in their very core character, less than are they a bad person? Like you're not ready for the stress and dynamics of what government does. Uh, Where do we find small someone? small town mayor, a great small county supervisor, you know, during times when there was nothing going on. You nothing guys are arguing. Going on. Yeah, nothing going on. But now you're hit with this yeah. you know, global yeah. pandemic. And now you're, you're, you know? you're saddled with life and death decisions. Yeah. Well, that's found in the military, some of the, you know, sure. civil side with public safety and stuff, mm -hmm. but that's it. Yeah. Otherwise, you don't have to deal with that on daily. And that, that wires someone different. I 100% believe that. Yeah, but, all, but, also, but also you have to be you have to really identify through the lens of the founding documents, Declaration of Independence, Constitution. And then it doesn't matter what else comes. When this pandemic thing started, I said, if 90% of this population in America dies and we keep our liberty, that's the way it goes for me personally. Right. And I'd be, I'm willing to be one of the ones that we kicked off, but that's how important it is because once you give that liberty away, you don't get it back yeah, without sure. a serious fight. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And that's the way the government People asked works. me that, you know, in the beginning too. They said, how many people need to die before you change your mind about, you know, these measures? I said, I don't think there's a number. You know, I think to me, we have we can't work backward here. We have to try to save lives. Absolutely. That's that's the medical community's, you know, uh, or, or task is to, uh, to keep people alive, to keep them healthy. You know, the people's ultimate responsibility to keep themselves healthy as well. Mm -hmm. But there's no number of people I can say, okay, when we get to this point, I'll be ready to turn in all my rights, Without, you know, my God-given rights. I, I can't do that. It, it's not, they're not up to me to give up. They weren't, you know, my own to begin with. They're given to us by God, by a creator, by a higher power, you know, mm -hmm. so they're not me to give back, mine to give back. Well, and that's just a display of a good management of fear, though. Both of you, for whatever reasons, your backgrounds, Will included, I guess I lump myself in there, too, have a good filter or way of dealing with fear. It, it's not, oh, I'm super afraid, so I'm going to throw out the Constitution, throw out my beliefs and everything yeah. else, and just listen to whatever the doctor, sa Dr. Fauci says on the mm -hmm. news. Mm -hmm. That's just bad management of fear. Sure, like, sure. wait a second. Okay, that's a scary thing, but what's, the, what, what's my founding objective? Well, I can't lose my constitutional yeah. rights ever, yeah. so that's yeah. never going to move. And sure. then you go up from there, right? An objective and the the commander's objective, right? The, the yeah, your individual yeah, yeah, yeah. American sitting there going, okay, fearful pandemic coming. What am I starting at? What's my baseline that I'm not going to give up on? And then go up from there. But when fear takes over, all of a sudden you just start well, throwing things we, we, out the window. We've been conditioned to, you know, to, to fear and to scare easily, you know? Yeah. And, I don't think it was in our ethos, you know, to begin with. When our people, when our founding fathers founded this country, you know, when they came over here and, and, and when the pioneers moved west, I don't think they ever thought, you know, man, we're going to end up like we are today, yeah. just scared of our own shadows. I mean, it's just not in our yeah. DNA. Well, I mean, what you're describing, it's like the age-old, like, state graph dilemma of do the people want liberty or security? Yeah, right? it, it is. Because you can't, you can't have both, It is. you know, yep. so sometimes. Mm -hmm. And you guys will love this quote. I actually, like, dug this up last week because I was preparing for the book, so... Um, 
Um, he's not one of the more well-known founding fathers, but Dr. Benjamin Rush was a signer of the Declaration of Independence. Mm -hmm. He was a physician. And he said, this was like written literally for today from 250 years ago. He said, unless we put medical freedom into the Constitution, the time will come when medicine will organize into an undercover dictatorship. Wow. Unbelievable. I, I want to take a picture of that before. Yeah, no <laughs> kidding. That's insane. I but, but, that so, so we talk yeah. about the genius of these yeah. people, right, and the foresight. Yeah. So you know, Unbelievable. You know, it, it, it's hard not to think that they, they were spiritually inspired, you know, divinely oh, yeah. inspired to write, to, to write things they were, they were writing at, at that point in time. Because how could they have known you know, could, that these things were happening? Because it's so applicable today, yeah. you know? I mean, we're living through that. I mean, that's awesome. I mean, I got goosebumps, you know? When yeah. Oh, yeah. That. I was like, holy shit. You, man, know, this is, this you, know, how they, you know how they knew? Because the character of man never changes. That's you know? right. And, and, uh, and the flaws. And the, and the flaws. Because yeah. society after that's society is... So, you know, like the Carlos, use Carlos's mood, or words, society after society is shit to bed. Yeah. It always <laughs> happens shit. almost the same way, you yeah. know, and it starts with immorality and it just keeps moving that direction. And yeah, uh, no, you're, you're exactly right, Woody. So, I mean, and this is going to go into the book two in part one. So the, they, they founded America, they called it, and this is Latin, Novus Ordo Seclorum, which means a new order for the ages. So they literally, our founding fathers spent years and read hundreds of books about past republics and democracies. Mm -hmm. And they studied like Rome and Athens and all these things that did eventually fall. And they determined that, okay, all of them fell typically not from an outside mm -hmm. invader that was stronger than them. They died because of like the death of character and morals. Yeah. And so because men is, are fallen, and in the Federalist Papers, they said men are not angels. Yeah. And so that's why we have to build a three-branch government, checks yeah. and balances, yeah. because men yeah. will yeah. inevitably do the wrong thing. And so they literally, okay, so I forget, I'm forgetting how I, I, I wrote it down in the book, but uh, they, they used history to overcome history. Mm -hmm. So they studied history to like basically say, how can we make a republic that will last for generations? Or, or look at this Do Tocqueville coming over here, you know, yes. France and say, hey, yeah. you know, this is, what, what are they doing over there? That's so yeah. special. Democracy in America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah, yeah we, we talked about that in episode 27 or 28 yeah. before when I was on. Yeah, so, and he so. said it's because, you know, the, they have good institutions with their churches mm -hmm. and their yep. families, yep. and that's the strength of America. And, and, and that's what and, you're trying and to get back to. something simple. You know, one of his biggest points is very simple, gets overlooked a lot, is it's how they treat their prisoners. Yeah. It's something simple as that. The yeah. way that we treat our prisoners, you know, we still treat them as humans, mm -hmm. you know, is... is it's pretty cool. It's a higher moral code, and I think I think that a big one too within this is is the identification of the battle we're really up against, which is the principalities. That's why they'll twist anything. I mean, that's well, what our enemies known war. as is like no it's constantly it. twisting things. So something that we think is good, voters will vote on it because the title looks good, and it's twisted in the background. Yeah. Oh, and man. you get a few decades All of that, time. and it's just constant twisting yeah. to where now it's like I'm really bad on question everything. Yeah. What are you saying? Is that really good? Like I hear yeah. the title, but I want to know who's behind it and their history and da 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 da. And it, because it's just constantly twisting it. And the more we do, I, I, I feel they like do the American that, people are like like the. The, the abused, beaten wife, right? Where it's like the less that we trust the government, the more people want to go to the government for answers. <laughs> you know, like, because there's got to be a great mistrust of government, you know, now. It's like Stockholm Syndrome. It yeah. is, it really is. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, I got to keep going back. Well, the one that beats me must have the solution to how to mm -hmm. stop being beaten, you know? And I'm like, no, listen, this is, this is it. This is where we draw a line. And we're doing this here. Enough's enough. We're tired yeah. to get beat down. You yep. know, I'm tired of the overreach. I'm tired of the regulations being told what to do. I'm like, I can manage my life just fine without the government. I don't wake up in the morning and go, okay, what's the government say to do today? You know, what do I have for breakfast? You know, what yeah, do I have for yeah. lunch? You know, how do I talk to my employees? How do I run this business? No, it just doesn't work that way. Well, and as fast as things move today, too, and it, it, it's a huge 
piece component of hope for me that things can shift. You get the right information, you have the right thing happen and boom, boom, boom. And then it's shifted huge. It can happen fast as a country. Like now with social media, everything, I don't even realize what's going, you didn't see that yet. I'm like, no, it's everywhere. And I'm like, what is it? I don't know what happened because I didn't look, but it's so fast. 30 minutes, you know, so fast. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So that you get the right thing out there, but a lot of times the right, thing is going to be maybe a little bit painful, maybe putting a fear aside, maybe being able to look at a bigger philosophy, bigger picture, because that's the other thing that the founding fathers had an eye on generations to come. Yeah. Not what I'm going to get in my lifetime. That's right. And you've said this a thousand times, Carlos, it's about the kids. Woody, I know you agree. Will, I'm sure you do hundred percent. That's a hundred percent how I think. If I'm worried about my personal wealth, well, then I'm just going to collect a lot of stuff and let my kids be what? You know, so whether you look at it in wealth or philosophy or, you know, all those different founding values, we can't have an America worried about my lifetime. That's what we'll, ha- we'll have an implosion. You know, you have to be thinking about, no, these rights, this is why. This is why the founders did that. You know, why are they questioning that and have this lens of looking generations out where they took years to build what we have sure. now and sure. st- all that studying and hours and hours and hours. Well, I don't have to reinvent that. I can just give it a glance over and go, okay, I'm going to stand on that, those same things so that my kids can experience the same thing I, I experienced. Absolutely. And, and I'm looking forward to this. This is going to be great. This blueprint, you know, that this book, this antithesis to rules for radicals. Um, what do we have to look forward to? I mean, give us a timeline here, how far we're out. What can people look forward to? Sure. So, uh, so Jeremy and I have talked like by September, we want to like have it all ready and, and then they're going to repackage the actual, like, you know, eight, episode docuseries are going to do final cuts on that too and uh i know he's he's thinking about pitching it you know to like a netflix or something i don't know if those will pick it up Mm -hmm. but um so my goal is like by september 1st like all of my editing everything is done and then uh, jeremy can take it and then that way it can come in before the november elections yeah like that's kind of my heart so that's fantastic um but i'm putting I mean, I'm still doing my Arca Justice clients. You know, this is like with Deanna yeah. Deanna Keys, Diane's Action Group. Diane, yeah. Diane, <laughs> Diane Keys, Diane Keys, Diane, Diane Keys Action Group. Um, that, that's, that's going in the book, by the <laughs> way. <you know>? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm putting putting everything on hold. Uh, not with my clients or the Wounded Warrior Bill of yeah. Rights, but everything else I'm doing, like for the for-profit, the the book is my main priority to try and get it done. Because I'm still battling health issues, so I'll go down unexpectedly yeah. bedridden. We don't know. You know I'll have flare-ups. And so I just want to get this done, and I'm motivated. I feel like you guys have caught lightning in a bottle, and then you've seen like San Francisco do a recall. There's stuff going mm-hmm. on in North Carolina with you know Board of Education. Sure. So. I feel like there's something in the co- the country's zeitgeist right now, mm-hmm. like the the attitude and the spirit that yeah. people want this. Sure. Um, and sure. you guys have done everything with so much excellence. You know, that's part of the reason why I signed on here is because I'm like, wow, these are professionally done videos. Well, you just have to be here to sell our screw ups, man. It looks good on TV. No, well, we, we appreciate that because, listen, yeah. this has been hard work. We're all tired, we're all exhausted. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's very rewarding. I mean, the day that this recall went through was one of the coolest days of my life, and I, and I mean that. You know, I've done some cool stuff, but it was like holy shit, guys! And it wasn't me. It wasn't. I mean, it was just we. It was a team. It, you know? it was everybody. It, it was really. Yeah. And I don't know that you could have pulled any one person off the team and had to be as successful. I mean, we really had key players in every slot. Everybody, you know, played played a real special piece of this puzzle. Yeah. Uh, and, and for that, I'm grateful. But I'm I'm also confident that every community, every town, has what we have. 
have, you know, mm-hmm. there's a Woody, there's a Lonnie, there's a Carlos, there's an Alyssa, there's, yeah. there's a John, there's, you know, I mean, these people live in your town. You just have to find them and, and they will rise. When we talked to Nevada County a few weeks back, yeah. we told them, well, you have the people down there, you know, I mean, and eventually that cream's going to rise to the top when, when they're needed. Yeah. And, uh, and we're seeing that we're seeing that happen all over the country now. And it's really cool to watch. Yeah. And the last thing I want to say, and I know we're, we're up to time is, and you know, this is. In my, from my military experience, I've learned that courage is contagious, and it only takes it one person to take a stand. And you were that one person. Elissa was that one person. And then look at like all everybody else in the community that's risen up, and we're like, we've had enough and no more. And now that you've been successful, freaking liberal San Francisco yeah. was recalled. 100%. Like, you know, no, so c- courage c- is contagious. But but so yeah, is fear. Yeah. So you is know, fear. So, they but, both but, but, are. But the same thing. So yeah. if, you, if you've ever noticed, we learned in the military, you know. Where if it's cold, we call it pain masking. You don't act like you're cold because the second somebody does this, what's everybody else do? Everybody goes, oh, shoot, it's cold, yeah. you know? And the second somebody goes, oh, it's not that cold, then the next person goes, oh, yeah, you're right, it's not that cold, you know? Yeah. But you're right, it's so contagious. And, again, it's a human condition. I think it's a great thing, you know, because it's catching fire. And I look forward to this book, man, and I appreciate you for being a part of this yep. team and for yeah. what you're doing. Thank it's, you, it's, my, yeah. it's my it's really honor. Cool. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be inspired by this and, and do the right thing because of it. So it's yeah. cool. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Appreciate yep. you. Thanks, Thank guys. You Good deal. That was awesome.